Well, welcome back to another episode of Restorative Talks. I'm Micah Chancer, your host today, and I'm here with Noelle Ford, who will be talking to us today about a company that she is the co-founder and CEO of called Neuro Management. And they create this awesome product called Versus. For those of you that have worked with us at Amazing Brains, you might be familiar with it. That's actually one of the headsets that we use for home training or also just to enhance some of the training we do in our office. So Noelle, thanks so much for joining us today. Absolutely. It's my honor. Excited to be yeah. here. Yeah, it's great. It's great to have you. I mean, you've 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 impacted our the work we do here at Amazing Brains greatly. And I'm just wanted to dive in a little bit to talk about versus as a product and the neuromanagement company, but also just your commitment to supporting people with health and well-being. So I'm curious you know, what your process in the neurofeedback and wellness field has been. Sure. Um, so I started in this field kind of coincidentally, part of my health psychology program at NAU was embedded training for biofeedback. And so with that, I had the opportunity to start to see how having some objective data about a person's physiology really gave some credibility to the in-office work. Um, at the time, I was uh, training more in like talk therapy, so cognitive behavioral stuff. And I really liked having some of that objective data and so did the clients. And so when I left school, I had the opportunity to start working at Southwest College of Naturopathic Medicine. And there, um, doing some teaching, but particularly um, working with students and teaching them the modality of biofeedback, which includes, of course, neurofeedback. Um, and it was really fascinating to you know, be working with these naturopathic physicians in training and let them see how that physiological data could really um, enhance any of the treatments that they were doing with the clients um, or the patients already. So it's just, I got really excited about the potential. And then I met the co-founder of our company, Dr. Leslie Sherlin, and he and I kind of hit it off and he wanted to hire me just as a research assistant, basically. Um, so I started out just uh, as a contracted employee writing research articles. And then from there, kind of grew into the position where I'm at um, and have the opportunity to lead the company now as CEO. The awesome. mission... Yeah, thank you. The, the mission really is what we were doing at SCNM, at the naturopathic school, or what many providers like yourself are doing in an office already. Um, it's changing lives. And people having access to their physiology, particularly their brain, it's phenomenal. And so what we have been working diligently to, to do is to break down that barrier of cost and time and get this technology out into the hands of more and more people. So that's what kind of the mission is behind Versus. I love it. I mean, and that resonates with so many of our listeners here who are just, you know, how do we get access to some of these? Because the neurofeedback field is still growing and quickly, but you know, there's not as many providers or as much access for a lot of people as I think probably both of us hope, right? Yeah. Still, we're still at that educating people's phase. So to, to kind of go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just saying, yeah. And to that point, it's funny. I just up in my, uh, my LinkedIn feed today came this ESPN story calling it. It literally says it's the dirty little secret that everybody knows about. And it's this whole story about 
one of uh, the top NBA players doing neurofeedback, also some biofeedback. He was doing some breathing and heart rate monitoring as well, but to enhance his ability to sleep, which of course enhances his ability to perform. And the first thing I thought is, why is this a secret? And why are only, you know, why are these top professionals the ones that have access to this? We really need to get this out into the hands of more and more people who are struggling with, you know, just basic stressors of everyday life all the way down to, you know, insomnia or any of the things that, that our providers or our partners are, are working with in the office. So just yeah. funny. It's awesome. It's, it is a, it's a great question too. Like, why is this a secret? Because it is pretty accessible and there are some awesome devices like Versus, which is a wellness device to help people just relax, right? Right. Uh, that's accessible that people can train in the home with and a whole family can use the device. Exactly. Yeah. And one thing that we really felt was important in our process is the idea of what we call a neuroperformance assessment. And that's going to be a baseline measure basically of your, your brain activity. But also we include a behavioral test called a continuous performance task. And that's going to tell us some information about your ability to regulate attention. So that first starting point is really critical for people to feel validated that their brain is contributing to their experience, first of all. And then second of all, that if we can help them better manage their physiology, particularly their brain, that of course is going to have downstream effects on their, their performance, be that in the classroom, in the boardroom, you know, at work, wherever, uh, in their relationships, just functioning better as a human being. So that piece is is really fun. And then from there, you mentioned relaxation, but also, you know, we use that assessment to determine if the person could benefit more from focus enhancement types of, of exercises or if it's more about the relaxation. So it kind of dif- differs a little bit there on, um, depending on how that neuroperformance assessment comes out. Awesome. Well, I just love, you know, a big saying we have in our office is if you're not testing, you're guessing. <laughs> yes. You know, and you guys are hitting that off right at the beginning. And I, and too, I just love hearing that about, hey, you know, depending on what your goals, right? Because an endurance athlete versus a, you know, say a, a kickboxer or something, they're going to mm-hmm. need different responses. So someone might need more of an inhibition neurologically or less, like de- depending on what their goals are, different states can be trained to help them achieve them. So it sounds like Versus has that flexibility and absolutely. Meet those goals. Yes, absolutely. And that's part of our, our rationale for partnering with people like yourself and providers who are working with clients in office and they can you know talk to them about their goals and, and their challenges and what they're going after by working on their brain. But at the end of the day, Versus was built to be kind of a ba- an out-of-the-box experience where it's going to walk the, walk the person through that assessment and then offer them an opportunity to play games, which is a, an opportunity to practice that more optimal brain state. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and for those who aren't familiar kind of with this continuum, we talked a little bit before about this call where you have a, you know, general wellness devices or different type of EEG-based kind of monitors and trainings versus say what we do in our office or what you do, you all do in your offices with, you know, say a day med or a Nexus or brain mm-hmm. master. How, how do you conceptualize that whole continuum? Like what is the, yeah. Sure. Yeah. So part of it is 
with regard to the outcome. So what what is the product focused on doing? For example, a Muse or a NeuroSky or even a Versus, but particularly those with just one to two um, active sensor sites, those are going to be more oriented towards a more basic, if you will, garden variety kind of goal. And then as you increase the complexity and the specificity with regard to what the outcome is supposed to be, that's when you start kind of uh, towing the line coming up to what, you know, if we're talking about medical diagnoses. And so some of those devices out there are actually registered with the FDA, the three that you just mentioned, for example, they're registered as a medical device or at least a biofeedback device with the FDA. And so what that means is a licensed professional can use them in their office to treat actual medical diagnoses. Something like Versus or some of the, the other things, I think there's a, an Epic Biomotive. Uh, there's, there's some other headsets out there. Uh, for Versus particularly, I shouldn't speak for other companies, but for Versus specifically, we wanted to kind of position ourselves in the wellness market because most people can benefit from A, just understanding their brain physiology better, understanding their brain strengths and weaknesses. They're going to benefit from that just out of the gate. But then also working on some exercises to help, you know, when you want to quiet your mind and when you want to really engage your mind, that's going to be helpful for, you know, pretty much anybody. And we didn't really want to cross over into the medical diagnoses because that's just a specificity that we don't need, don't need to cross basically at this point. Um, so you see that with Muse as well. That's probably the most well-known device that people, people reference, but um, they talk a lot about meditation and, and relaxation and don't really talk about some of the things that down-regulating brain activity can, can be effective for because they're, they're kind of in the same space working on just staying in that FDA wellness space. Right. 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 So for those, what, what exactly, how exactly do you all downregulate brain activity? And for those that aren't aware of those kind of terms, what exactly does that mean? Sure. Yeah. So going back to kind of the clinical model, kind of putting my, my SCNM hat on or, um, you know, working with clients at a medical center when I'm using a Nexus or, you know, a medical device like that, the, the concept for those listeners that aren't aware, the concept of neurofeedback is essentially measuring brain activity. So you're just simply monitoring the, the EEG under particular scalp sites and you are working through, I don't want to get too technical here, but, but basically you're using a process called operant conditioning, which comes from learning theory and psychology, but it's very simple. We've all been operantly operantly conditioned in some way in our life, but it's the the concept that what you get rewarded for, you will be more likely to continue. And what you don't get rewarded for, or maybe um, you know, true operant conditioning, we talk about the potential of kind of a, a negative, a negative feedback, like a maybe an annoying sound or something like that when you get that negative sound or that negative feedback, you're less likely to continue that that state or that behavior that was connected to the negative feedback. And so with any kind of neurofeedback process, what you're doing is you're trying to help the person identify the internal state 
we don't have access to our brain, right? It's not something that we can just hold a mirror up and see what our brain is doing today. (laughs) And so the concept is we measure our brain activity. We know in real time, because we're creating this feedback loop, if we are doing better at creating that more optimal brain state or if we're kind of falling out of it because the feedback with whether it's a pleasant sound or um, in the office, sometimes it's a movie or a video or something like that. Um, it's going to reinforce us. It's going to play. And then as soon as we kind of slip out of that more optimal state, for example, to make it more concrete for your listeners, some type of relaxation protocol or a stress protocol is what we call it. But the idea is, you know, when they their brain starts to kind of go a mile a minute and starts thinking about all their to-dos for the rest of the day, that feedback is going to stop. And it tells them instantaneously that they are not doing what they need to do with their brain in that moment. And so they're literally practicing over and over. They're practicing the ability to create that more optimal kind of quiet mind brain state. And so with, yeah, that's pretty much the the whole concept. And the idea of measuring that physiology and, and creating that feedback loop is really important for individuals to have access to what their brain is doing. I mean, I think for me, that's such an exciting point and such something to drive home because so for the listeners know, like I, and I'm guessing you're similar, have a meditation practice and have a neurofeedback or biofeedback practice. And for anyone that's tried to meditate, sometimes we notice our thoughts immediately, but oftentimes we notice ourselves maybe moments or minutes or longer into a thought process before we even acknowledge like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm distracted, drifted off, anxious, whatever state is increased and that's going to be dependent on the person and time but what's so wonderful like you said with neurofeedback or like a a versus device is that you can get that feedback quicker than our awareness allows for and it can really shorten that learning curve i mean Mm -hmm. i I thought this morning last night when i was meditating i fell asleep and i'm sitting i'm on the couch (laughs) about to go upstairs kind of you know i'm doing an eyes closed meditation right now and I kind of, my gong timer went off 20 minutes later. I kind of <laughs> looked around and I was like, oh, oops. You know, right. and that, that actually has value too. But I think it's a different type of training, right? It's a different type of value and it's going to come. The results might come a little bit later in a different way. I really like the precision of neurofeedback offers of, hey, we're looking at this specific type of relaxed state and we're going to let you know when yeah. you're in it or when you're out of it. Absolutely. And like with anything, whether it's learning you know, how to play the piano or learning how to drive a car, the more that you practice, the sooner you're going to see the effects of that practice. But also in that learning process, the more instant feedback you have about how you're doing in the practice, the sooner you're going to see the effects of practice, right? right. So if uh, let's take learning how to play basketball. If I as an individual just go out with a basketball and a hoop by myself and I don't have any, any feedback about how I'm doing and what I'm doing and whether you know I'm dribbling or I'm, how I'm shooting or any of those things, if I have no feedback, it's going to take me forever to figure out how to play the game. <laughs> but right. if I have teammates and a coach and opponents that I'm going to learn very quickly over time how to play. So that's the same as, as anything, whether it's a musical instrument or any kind of skill, right? It's about acquiring that skill as quickly as you can and performing that skill as well as you can. So for somebody that's struggling to quiet their mind when they lay down and go to sleep, for example, that's a big problem for people. Having something that they can 
do for 10 minutes and realize, okay, yeah, I'm really not in that quiet mind state. I'm going to bring it in 10, 15 minutes. That's going to allow them, it's going to promote sleep much, much better because now they not only actually have been practicing that quiet mind state, but they also have some confidence, some, I guess, reassurance that yes, in fact, they, they just did something to push them towards that sleep state. Great. And I love that. Just that I'm just I'm sitting there knowing how many interventions I know both you and I are practices or routines we've wanted to offer people where you're like, Hey, you know, do this for 10 or 15 minutes. And hopefully you can get that two hour window that it usually takes you to fall asleep down to you know, half of that, or even a fraction of that. Yes. You know? And, and there's that resistance to following through. And what I, I love about versus is that you're actually you know, it's so much, I don't want to take the time. Am I doing it right? Is this going to work? Mm-hmm. And you, there's always that qualitative sense. You know, so people's felt experience, but with versus you're actually getting a quantitative tracking of that as well. Like we can, a provider like myself or can follow and say, no, actually you are improving this and we can see this through these measurements. Absolutely. That can, that can actually get people. Cause I know when I, when I sit down to do something like a breath work or something, you're like, oh, am I doing this right? How much you feeling? Right, you can get a lot exactly. of that second guessing. So you guys have done such a great job of that. Well, so. thank you. Yeah, that was really important for us to build our dashboard for our providers because not only for what you just said, you know, looking at the data and seeing the quantitative experience of the client, but actually even before that, we all know it does not matter what the intervention is. And this is true for taking pills, getting shots, doing some mindfulness meditation, biofeedback, neurofeedback, across the board, the number one, what I should say one of the number one problems with interventions, no matter what the intervention is, is compliance. Mm-hmm. And so it through the dashboard, our providers actually can cut through that good patient bias that a lot of our patients uh, or clients have where they want to come in and tell us, yes, you know, I used it every day for 20 minutes or <laughs> whatever it is. Now it's an opportunity because there is some quantitative data there. You can actually say, oh, actually, it looks like you only did it once per week. And just like learning any other skill, if you do it 10 minutes for one time a week, you may not see the benefits as if you did it 10 minutes for three or four times, you know, throughout the week. So, um, that's an important piece too, um, that sometimes I think the, the patients or the clients of our providers don't always appreciate is just the fact that their, their professional can actually check in on them, <laughs> create some accountability, which improves compliance a lot of times. It sure it absolutely does. <laughs> I mean, we've seen the, yeah, we've seen that with your device. We've also seen that with heart math when we're asking people. So I've sent people home to, you know, with a heart rate like EM wave or, you know, mm-hmm inner balance sensors or whatever they're calling them now and just being like look just put this on your ear for 10 minutes and breathe you know follow the instructions or don't you know whatever you're doing like that's kind of one of the baselines for people that are resistant to following through and that's that's actually one of the ways we're now using the versus because i think we can actually get i don't think i've I've seen that we can get better results that way right ultimately whatever that you know whether it's a workout routine or a diet or a mindfulness mm-hmm. routine or practice, if you're not noticing, but if you're taking some supplement and you're not noticing the results, then you're probably not going to continue. But that also gets to kind of give you guys, one of the things I've also appreciated with the neuro performance assessment is that 
myself included in this, but a lot of people are pretty bad at self-reporting. <laughs> yes. Thing that basically means that we're not always the best at being aware of how we're feeling. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, you know, when people come into our office, we're going to do an inventory, you know, say it's session one, session 10, session 20, or some type mm-hmm. of interval based on progress. And oftentimes people report feeling the same, but when we dive into it, they forget that it took them two hours to fall asleep and now it only takes 20 minutes, which Absolutely. is a very significant benefit. But we all have that kind of, which helps us be happier, right? We forget how bad something was and then we focus mm-hmm. on the next thing. Yeah, but also, you know, now I can't do this <laughs> thing. And you're like, cool, we can focus on that now, but let's acknowledge where we were. Yes, so, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So with the, I want to, this is kind of from earlier in the conversation I wanted to come back to. You talked about several other kind of relaxation wellness devices, the Muse, I forget the, the Sky, what's the Sky one? NeuroSky. They've been around a while. They're a single sensor. Um, gotcha. Headset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just, I wanted to give people an idea of, you know, the Muse is working kind of, actually, do you want to kind of just talk a little bit about the Versus in terms of like one of the things that really attracted me to your device was actually where your sensors are placed. Sure. That to me was really important. Mm-hmm. And, and I can kind of give you my perspective on that too, but I think it would be you know, better coming from you. Like, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, our sensor placements were really critical when we first started this, this path. And we realized, I mean, when we first started building Versus, it wasn't called Versus. We didn't have our headset yet. We didn't have our algorithms yet. We didn't have our database yet, right? We started out with this idea and this passion to break down those barriers because what we were seeing was people are having lots of success, but to take the time at least once a week, if not two or three times a week, to come into an office for an hour, that's really challenging. And so mm-hmm. when we started, what we actually did was we actually just built a database of 19-channel QEEGs. So for your listeners that don't know what that means, quantitative electroencephalographies. And that is basically 19 placements on the scalp where you're just monitoring the EEG in kind of a baseline condition. And we did eyes closed eyes open, and a continuous performance task. We used all kind of off-the-shelf traditional technology at the time and built our database. And then from there, we kind of whittled down, okay, of these 19 sensor sites, what protocols are we typically recommending when people are coming into the office? Because we, at the time, had the opportunity to work with... um, We kind of had service contracts at the time. So we kind of did a correlation, basically, of what protocols are we typically recommending? Where are we seeing the most common aberrations in those 19-channel QEEGs? And also what protocols are are seemingly most effective for uh, clients when we're recommending them? And that's kind of how we we whittled down from 19 to 5 sensors. And we just weren't willing to sacrifice some really key areas of the brain. If you look at our sensor sites compared to others, uh, we include sensory motor cortex, C3 and C4, also CZ, and then parietal, PZ, sensor site, as well as FC. So we wanted to, again, kind of get the most bang for the buck with how easily can this headset be put on by somebody who is not neuroscientist, not trained uh, in neurofeedback, and still put it on accurately so that the sensors go in the proper place and then also what's going to be most effective. And so, you know, when we look at the literature, 
decades worth of literature in EEG and neurofeedback, we really pulled from that literature to create or to feel validated in our process that we use to come up with our sensor sites and the algorithms that we were using to um, for the neuroperformance assessment as well as our, our exercises that are in the games. Yeah. I mean, that really comes through just as a provider looking at your device. I'm like, awesome, right? There's someone just, <laughs> just CZ really as a site, which is such a powerful mm-hmm. spot to be working, right? For those that aren't familiar with you, you know, the easiest way to figure out where CZ, it's basically the center top point of your head. So if you take your fingers on your ears, run them up to the middle of your head, that's probably roughly CZ. So mm-hmm. right hand, right ear, left ear, right, left ear, left hand, left ear, I'll get there. Or you can start <laughs> from kind of your nose or the occipital and just move to the center. That, that midpoint is where so much, so much information passes through there. So just bringing in more regulation there is so valuable. Absolutely. And if you look at the literature, CZ, particularly the theta to beta power ratio at CZ, is probably one of the most well-documented measures in the EEG world and the neurofeedback world. Mm -hmm. You know, starting starting with Joel Lubar, but probably I should I shouldn't name one name, but Joel Lubar is who I associate most with that um, CZ theta beta power ratio. And then, of course, C3 and C4 with our sensory motor rhythm. Um, I mean, it's just really key sensor sites for monitoring and also enhancing attention regulation, executive function, impulse control, all of those things. It's just a really critical strip along the brain. Yeah, and I mean, just for people to, to, to kind of put that into perspective, you know, theta-beta ratio looking at ADHD and that ratio looking at kind of an inattentive type and then SMR is something we do an awful lot of bipolar and even monopolar SMR in our office, right? Mm-hmm. So you're, you're talking like, you know, when we're looking at these, this device and what we can do on some of the medical devices or just stop me if I'm going to kind of overstepping what I'm allowed to say, but, you know, basically the takeaway for someone at home is like, hey, this device can actually do some of the really cool things we can do in the office, right? You're a little limited by site placements and some other pieces, but you know, it's pretty darn powerful stuff. It is. And especially when you pair it with a professional who is trained in this field, right? And that's part of our our dashboard is giving professionals the opportunity to override some of our automatic assignments of protocols, both in time and, and exercise protocols too. So when you pair it with a professional, it's, you know, it's powerful. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's, Exactly. We have, you know, some of the use cases we've seen people here kind of range for people that live further away from us than they can make it, right? Maybe they, mm-hmm. they live in kind of the mountains of Colorado and some people live in counties that don't actually have a lot of providers. Maybe there's less than 30,000 people in a whole county mm-hmm. and, you know, there's, they're using those devices, but also we're seeing CEO types or executives or traveling kind of C-level people taking mm-hmm. a person's headset on the plane with them so that they can actually like maintain that routine. Because mm-hmm. a, big, a big part that we talked about earlier is just that consistency, right? If we're just doing something 10 minutes, you know, when it's convenient and easy for us, we're not going to see that result. Correct. Right? Like we really need that consistency and follow through. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, in terms of, I kind of, just because Sarah, or, so Dr. Wyckoff, published uh, did she publish the piece on connect like the 
the impedance of the headset? Yes. Um, she led that study. Dr. Sherlin and myself contributed, but she was definitely the lead on that study. And that's a published paper. And the biggest reason that we wanted to do that is we knew what we were building and we knew the quality that we were building, but it was really important from a credibility standpoint for any of our providers, people that want to partner with Versus or just, you know, just from a consumer level, they want to know that it's actually measuring EEG because for those of you who maybe don't realize, our body has a lot of electrical activity in it. And so it's important to know that your EEG sensors are dialed in and actually measuring EEG. (laughs) And so that was a really critical point for us is to put that paper out and say, yes, in fact, our headset measures equal to the clinical grade amplifier. So yes, it's pretty critical. And just as a provider and for people who are listening, like that was one of those points where reading that, I'm like, oh my gosh, awesome. Right? Because you can sit back and relax of like, hey, am I trading noise? Am I trading mm-hmm. muscle artifact? Am I trading... And, and I'm going to... So I'll ju- I'm just going to say this as more of a piece for anyone that does own a muse, not as a criticism, but just as a say, to say that a lot of the muse runs across your forehead. And there's an awful lot of what we call artifact that can be generated from um, moving your eyeballs, swallowing, moving you know, muscle tension in the face, any of that stuff. And what that can show up on some devices is as high beta, which could be, say, an anxious kind of brainwave that could be interpreted by that by a device. So one of the things just when I was looking at how you guys do that, I'm like, oh, great. We can actually know that I'm not training somebody to relax their facial muscles. <laughs> I'm training them to relax their brain. And no, sure. there's nothing wrong with EMG biofeedback, right? There's lots of value in training that, but it's a different tool. It's a different job that we're doing. Sure, right? and, absolutely. And we do EMG work in our office as well, but it's, it's, it's for a different reason. Yep. And going back to kind of how we created our sensor sites, you know, it was critical for us to, again create a headset that people can just put on, that it's going to put the sensors in the right spot, but also it's going to hit all the key areas without collecting, as you said, as much noise. So for example, um, you hit on FP1 and FP2 right over the, the eyes, over the frontalis muscle, but also T3 and T4 have their challenges as well from the masseter, yeah. right? So jaw tension, swallowing, tongue movement, all of that can be problematic. Now, I'm not saying that that stuff can't be dealt with through digital filters. Lots of people do it, but um, it's just something to, to consider. Um, and it's, it was definitely part of our consideration when we decided what sensor sites were going to be most effective and the best user experience. Awesome. That's great to hear because T3 and T4 is something we use with the infralow frequency stuff in our office a lot just to kind of, you know... Mm-hmm. For that type of work, I'm like, man, I've, I've really started to appreciate that kind of bilateral stabilization. But mm-hmm. you can also see, you can also do that at C3 and C4. Obviously, different sites, different pieces, but you're still working on a bilateral stabilization. Yeah, so and that's a that's a perfect example, uh, Micah, of how you're doing something in office that our headset does not have the capability to do, but you can kind of, you know, like a Fitbit for the brain, you can send it home with your clients to be an adjunct to what you're doing in the office with that more specialized equipment to do infra, infra slow. Absolutely, absolutely. So in terms of this, like, what's 
tailored and I want to kind of shift gears and pick on a little bit of a different part of your life. Are you okay with that? Sure. Cool. So you have the, you, the founder, director, all around awesome human at tailored intention, <laughs> right? Uh, sure. Is that fair? Yes. <laughs> I, I guess <laughs> that's, that's not what I would put on my title, but sure. <laughs> what would you put on your title? Um, uh, I created tailored intentions. So I guess that makes me the founder. <laughs> yeah. Um, I created tailored intentions. It's a consulting company and it is in line with everything that I am doing for neuromanagement, but it is an opportunity for me to expand how I help people at my core. That is truly, you know, what my mission is, is how can I help people in the most robust effective way possible. And so I've, you know, I kind of told you my earlier story. I'm still connected to Southwest College of Naturopathic Medicine. Um, I have the opportunity to kind of still be boots on the ground or in the trenches there, making sure that my science and what we're implementing on Versus is still connected. And then I wanted to take that next step and do a couple of things. One is is help the field of, of neurofeedback or neuromodulation in general, help it grow. And also for on more of an individual basis, help people see how not just their physiology, but what fuel we put into our body, how that impacts us and how we can modify that just like we can modify our physiology. Uh, We can make choices about what we're putting in so that we get better results out. Um, It's a funny thing to relate it back to EEG, but you know, when we look at an EEG, garbage in means garbage out, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so a bunch of artifacted data going in, you're probably going to get crappy data out. That's what that translates to. So the same is, is kind of true when you come from a, a mental approach. So positive, uh, whether you call it positive psychology or mindfulness or whatever, the self-talk that we have is critical. And also the nutrition that we put into our body is critical. And so, you know, everything kind of in my life connects to this broader purpose of how can I help people push past some of the, some of the challenges that we have from everyday stress and everyday life and just going with, going with the, you know, the flow of life. How can we push past that and really enhance our experience so that we can be our best self, if that makes sense. So that's kind of... I'm like, so how do you go on? How do we do that? You know, and obviously the verses we've talked about has a a huge role to play that from like a neural anatomy and regulating brain waves. But it, you know, you're talking about, you're talking about diet now, like you're talking about just how you take care of yourself. And like, I'm just, you know, so for, especially for our listeners who maybe don't feel comfortable using a versus or coming to do, or maybe it's out of their financial range or, you know, there's can be a variety of, of objections people might have to doing neuro or doing using a versus, but still, I think yep. everyone has that same desire of like, Hey, we all want to live our best lives. And that means something different for everyone. <laughs> right. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Absolutely. Yeah. So on a, on an individual basis, one of the, the key things, um, there's a lot of little cliche sayings that I could pop in here. So I might throw some of those in, but, but at the end of the day, the stories that you tell yourself throughout the day are really critical. They matter. So if you are creating positive thoughts, if you're putting good thoughts in, if you're saying positive things to yourself, that actually, truly, from a physiological perspective, that impacts you 
And, you know, people like to silo different areas, right? So in this conversation, it would be really easy to just say, okay, here's how you, here's how you better regulate your brain. Here's how you better regulate your peripheral physiology. Here's how you better regulate your mental health. Here's how you better regulate your, your diet, but it's all connected, right? We are a system. And so, you know, What's really interesting, you mentioned M-Wave. I, um, I have a lot of experience with M-Wave or, um, and from HeartMath and having people just watch what their heart rate does when they say negative things or they think negative things, that's a powerful exercise, right? And so people don't have to have, they don't have to have any of this equipment that we're talking about. They can take their pulse and they can spend two minutes thinking about negative negative things. And what they can see very quickly is that their their heart will become kind of like a metronome and beat faster. So we're losing variability and it's beating much faster. Well, okay. So if thoughts can impact our physiology and our experience of, of mental health, how do you think the food that you put into your body impacts your physiology and your experience of physical health? Of course it impacts it, right? And so when we think about it from that kind of higher level perspective, it just made sense for me to try to figure out how to add to the overall experience for individuals. That makes sense. It totally makes sense. And I love the, I love that just people getting that felt sense of just like imagining your two fingers on your carotid or maybe, you know, on your radial artery or whatever Mm -hmm. that one by your wrist is called. And just seeing that of like, Hey, that, that anger, spite, frustration, or, you know, has a challenge and then going into a state of gratitude or stability or coherence, like heart math calls it, where, you know, it literally, you can just feel it. And I think that's such a, it's kind of one of the things that helped me fall in love with neurofeedback when the first time I hooked up Dr. McGuffin to it and I'm like, Oh, wow. Those are on a computer. (laughs) That's pretty cool. (laughs) It is so cool. You know? And so it really is a, such a wonderful way to to build awareness. And I think that's such a great tool that I, I actually want to invite all our listeners to do for to take what, four minutes out of your time, maybe six mm-hmm. minutes, get a baseline for two minutes, you know, frustrated thoughts for two minutes, and then thoughts of gratitude and joy for two minutes. And just mm-hmm. how do you feel? Yeah. You know? So for those of you that feel comfortable and safe doing that, right? There's going to be some people, and you know, dealing with complex trauma that maybe that that might be too much awareness for them. So maybe, you know, there's different ways you can do it or just kind of reduce the frustrated side of that. You know, maybe just notice how you can help yourself feel better if you're in kind of a more, in a crisis, right? So Absolutely. One of the things I'm seeing more and more with, you know, maybe correlated with phenotypes or correlated with just different kind of neural signatures, like Dr. Suter is having, and kind of just went through one of his EEG and nutrition talks, you know, Mm-hmm. Is that man? There's an awful lot we can talk about and look at from looking at EEG or QEEGs, basically, basically brainwave states or how people are are and what they can be doing in terms of supplementation. But I'm, I'm really curious. You know, do you have some kind of just general for say the overstressed person, which I'm gonna guess, you know, so for people that are familiar, like someone living their life in sympathetic arousal or activation. Sure. Mm-hmm. what are some of the, because that's going to burn through our oxygen supplies, our glycogen, it's going to increase mm-hmm. cortisol, we're going to be, you know, more norepinephrine and epinephrine, like it's just adrenaline, like there's there's a whole slew of things. And then we know on the other side, like increasing nitric oxide to 
kind of flush that out and get back into that flow state a lot of us want. Like, mm-hmm. how can we use if that's kind of kind of an, our case study? Like, how can we use diet to get people there in a in a generic way? Sure. Or maybe yeah. not generic, but you know, like a towards this general population. Well, so. you know, man, there's a there's a ton to say here, so I'll try to be brief. I think bringing it back to mindfulness and paying attention to how you feel when you eat certain things is really critical. There's a lot of foods out there that people just aren't paying attention to what they're putting in their body. They don't know how to read a nutrition label. They don't know what the ingredients are. And so if we if we just go with a really basic recommendation, because of course everybody's different and of course everybody has different nutritional needs and, and all of that. But if we were to just go with uh, a very basic thing is do your best to eat things that are going to make you feel better, not worse. <laughs> and I, I know that sounds very simplistic, but when you think about how you feel after you eat some some foods that are very inflammatory, like cheeses or a lot of meat or um, even simple carbohydrates, those things make you feel kind of inflamed because they actually are in inflammatory foods. They can actually kind of make you, especially if there's salt included, they can make you retain water. And so when you think about what you're putting into your body, first just first step, just be mindful. Just pay attention to what and how much you're putting in your body. Do you really need two or three slices of pizza or would you be satisfied with one? <laughs> so I think kind of just like from a really basic level, first stage is mindfulness about portion size and and just what it is. Is it highly processed food? Is it a bunch of chemicals that are in it? You know, when you look at the ingredients, is it yellow dye and red dye or is it actual food ingredients? And I'm I'm not opposed to some processing of food, of course, but you know, when we look at some of the higher processed foods. I hate to pick on Doritos, but it's just on my brain right now. <laughs> but like if you look at <laughs> what what is in there, I mean, it's not not always the best ingredients. And so that's like a first level thing. But then secondly to that is my kind of motto is nutrition in addition. We don't want to come from a a deprived state. So if you are a person who, for example, really likes, like since I just brought up Doritos, like if if Doritos are your thing, if that's your go-to, then look at the back of the Doritos and read how many chips are in one serving of Doritos and count out that number of chips and have just one serving of Doritos and make sure you counterbalance it with something positive, some actual, you know, some good carbohydrates, like good vegetables, some lean protein, uh, some healthy fat, you know, don't make it you live off Doritos and Red Bull <laughs> like so many of the people do now to deal with the stress of high demand jobs and managing families and careers. And there's a lot of stress out there. So it's challenging to to start with a big picture of I want my diet to be perfect. Instead, start with paying attention, looking at your portion sizes paying attention to how you feel when you eat certain things and try to eat more of the things that make you feel better, you know? Um, so it's nutrition in addition is kind of my, one of my mottos. <laughs> I love that. I really, you know, and I think I really love that idea of just what makes you feel good. It's such a powerful question. And for so many people, we don't have an answer to that. No. Right. It's like, yeah. 
And, and also from like a trauma healing or nervous system stabilization standpoint, starting to mm-hmm. orient towards pleasure and stability can mm-hmm. actually help rewire how we perceive the world. So even Absolutely. just looking at that from a diet standpoint, I'm just like, hey, do I feel good? Okay, yeah, actually, you know what? That Dorito really like took me down and off after a stressful day. Like maybe there is actual benefit there for you. And then right. making sure you're having it in a way, you know, not you know, saying it's nutritious for you, but there's (laughs) a a nervous system type civilization (laughs) orienting to pleasure type benefit, Mm -hmm. you know, that that can be happening. And to take that a step further, you just brought up perception and perception leads us right back into that concept I was talking about earlier of self-talk. If we perceive things to be more positive, we're more likely to say more positive things to ourselves. You know, simple little things that people don't even realize, like, I think most people can relate to this example. You're driving the car, someone cuts you off. If you have a negative outlook, that's going to spike your physiology, your sympathetic side, right? That is going to create a very stressful event. You might then have some ruminating thoughts about why that person would do that and how how could they do that? You almost got in a wreck and um, you know, now you've got this cascade of you know, adrenaline, uh, so norepinephrine, epinephrine, and now your body is in this fight or flight mode. And if you don't do something to conscientiously take yourself back down from that, the next small stressor that you experience, the coffee pot breaking, being late to work, whatever small stressor, that only takes you further down that path of being overactivated from a sympathetic perspective, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's what I would implore people to do is, okay, let's think about think about that that cycle that, you know, that spiral. If you can cut it off and instead perceive the world to be more positive, maybe because you made some good choices about what you put into your body, maybe you woke up earlier, whatever behavioral changes you might be trying to make, that might lead you to be a little bit more positive. And maybe you approach that person who cut you off in traffic with more empathy. And instead you say, wow, I wonder what's so important in their life. They almost wrecked us. They must really need to get going somewhere. Now that's an entirely different physiological perspective and reaction in your body as the driver, right? And now you're not having this giant reaction that you have to come back down from. Instead, you're just more prepared the next time that you get that next small stressor. Because those little stressors, they happen to us all day long, whether we're aware of it or not. You know, So when you think about it from a, a, a cycle, a spiral, or just a, a systems approach, everything is connected. What you put in your body, what you think, and how you react, it's, you know, and your physiology, it's all one big system. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just uh, the, the traffic one hits home for us in Colorado and every, everyone has their thing. Like I-70 is ours. It's the, mm-hmm. well, for us up in, in the mountains it is. And then for those down on the front range, it's a 2570 and basically mm-hmm. every road. But one of the one of the kind of hacks I've been or trainings for myself I've been doing is just using a stress thermometer, which for you know biomedical sells them. They're twenty five dollars, I think. And basically, what it is is an indoor outdoor sensor, but it says body and room for the you know put it to body temperature. I tape it to my uh, or I use you know kind of a non insulating wrap on my middle finger. And then when I'm driving, mm-hmm. I'm actually monitoring pretty passively, but monitoring mm-hmm. my skin temperature. So when someone does cut me off and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm kind of, 
or when I'm like, you know, <laughs> drive on the faster side and I'm kind of ramped up, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like this is actually impacting me. And mm-hmm. one of the things that really hits home with those stressors that I think people don't appreciate is that when we get that angry or worked up or frustrated, we're taking our, we're making it that much harder for us to get back into a flow state or do deep work. Which Absolutely. Is, so, yeah. So we're, we're shortening the time we can be in creative modes, doing deep work, or even just being empathetic with our family members or friends, right? We're just mm-hmm. kind of diminishing the capacity for what I think most of us are wanting. You know, and everyone's going to have a different version of that, but that's a, that's a really big deal to the whole moderating stressors. Yeah. And just comes back to that mindfulness, right? So just paying attention to how you feel and figuring out how to feel better more often. (laughs) It sounds so simple and that's why I laugh, but it's, that's where you start. No, that's not the end all be all. Of course, there are other things that you can do, but I think that's a a great place to start for listeners. Yeah. Well, I think, oh, I just want to thank you so much for coming on to share your, you know, your experience of, you know, neurofeedback, biofeedback, health, wellness products, all these different pieces and just like the simplicity and like profound clarity of your statement, right? Of just being aware, being healthy, you know, that whole process is so, so powerful when people work it. So awesome. Well, thank you. I appreciate you having me on. (laughs) Yeah, of course. It's been, it's been a pleasure. Um, Is there a good place people can find you? Like what's the, what's the best way to get in touch? Cause I know, I'm sure they can to get in touch with you about Versus, but also about tailored intention if anyone wants to work with you directly. Sure. Yeah. So um, my uh, email for Versus is probably on my LinkedIn page too, but Noelle Ford, uh, noelle.ford at getverses.com. That's the best place to reach me, I would say virtually. And then um, for sure, we have Instagram and Facebook accounts for Versus. So usually it's Get Versus, G-E-T-V-E-R-S-U-S. Um, and that's where you're going to find all those resources. And then for me personally, I just have a Facebook page for Tailored Intentions. Awesome. And we'll link those in the show notes. And for anyone that's interested, you know, go through there, you'll have access to these companies and products. But if, you, if you're interested in demoing a Versus, you're welcome to get in touch with us at Amazing Brains or um, Noelle might have some resources as well. For Absolutely. For yeah. If, if they're in Colorado, I would definitely say go check out Amazing Brains. But for those of you listening that might not be in Colorado, we have a place on our website called Find a Partner. And that's where you can type in your zip code and see who is near you that is a versus partner. So definitely check that out. Yeah. It's, it's pretty amazing for those of you that, that aren't listening. And I, I think I can't say how <laughs> fun it is to really be able to control you get the, the games with your brainwaves, right? You're not just sitting there with your thumbs or whatever, <laughs> however yeah. you're playing on a computer. You're literally sitting there controlling a game with your brain waves. And I think that's just, I mean, it's, it's, it's scientific, but I just, the word that pops into my mind. So I was like, it's just so magical. It's amazing. <laughs> and yet there's, it's really not magical because it's science. But <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it really, it really is amazing. So thank you well, so much you. for taking the time. So thank you so much. 